Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Jeff. Yep. Jeff. Yes. Jeff. (laughs) Gabe. Jeff. Gabe. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Jeff. What? (laughs) What is it? What do you want? I already asked you. How are you doing today? Oh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Little, little tired. Yeah. Uh, uh, Skylar and I hosted a, a party, which you came to. Yep, I did. Um, and uh, a couple of the guests stayed like, I mean, we wanted them to stay, so mm-hmm. it was fine, but they stayed pretty late. And so it was up very late Sunday night. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you just, you know, Mondays are always just. Mondays, am Mon- I right? <laughs> Yes. So, so yeah. yeah. So I'm just, I'm a little, I'm a little on the tired side, but other than that, doing all right. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. My throat's a little dry and I don't know how to, I just drank something. So I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. So if I have to cough a whole bunch, I apologize to Jeff that's, who's going to be editing today. That's quite all right. Um, but so I, I wanted to, I was trying to run some errands today. In mm-hmm. fact, we, we do have in the studio with us, we do have our, our friend Steve is, uh, he's sitting in on this, this recording session. Wave to the audience, Steve. There you <laughs> go. Waving. Um, and, uh, I, I got, I enlisted him to help me. I have this old trunk in my garage. I guess it's in the car right now, but it was in the garage. Um, ever since I was a little kid, when I was like the youngest I can remember being in my parents' attic, they had this old steamer trunk mm-hmm. that was locked. Mm. And my whole life it's been locked. Everybody just said like had clothes or something in it, but it belonged to my grandpa. Mm-hmm. And when my parents moved, it went with them. My dad uh, has to move where he's, he moved, moved from where he's living right now. So we were cleaning a bunch of stuff out a few days ago. And I asked, hey, is it okay if I take this trunk and I go have someone open it? And he said, sure. So now I have this trunk. It's like this super old trunk. It has the year, it has 24 to 28, like the year with like a little apostrophe written on it. I don't know what years those would be referring, like what happened in those years. Well, no, no, Gabe, those are the years in which it is unlocked. So in the future. Oh, snap. If I wait five years. Yeah. Okay. It'll it'll be unlocked during that period. Probably it'll probably it'll probably start glowing and making a noise. You'll notice. (laughs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) Um, so anyway, I it has my grandpa's name on it and Mm. stuff. It's got a whole bunch of like old stickers and stuff. And so I we took it to a locksmith today to go go get checked out. And he looked at it and it looks like there's something stuck like something got broken off inside the lock. Sure. So he told me what I can do to just basically drill a hole in it. So gotcha. So I'm I think I'm gonna do that after we're done recording today. Okay. So I'll put some pictures on uh on our (laughs) website. If anybody's interested in seeing what is in this old chest that has right. been locked my entire life, <laughs> and then some, it's like so. I'm just imagining it either being something boring or horrifying. <laughs> Probably both. Um, no, seriously, my whole life I've horrifying? wondered. <laughs> yes, horrifying. My whole life I've been wondering what's in this chest. Uh-huh. Seriously, mm. and now I'm finally going to get to find out. <laughs> and all it's going to take is for me to basically break the thing open. You're just going to break it. Yeah, break it. I, he, the, the locksmith did tell me, like, if I wanted to pry it open, do it from here. If I wanted to drill it open. Sure, it sure. Here, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I'm, I'm kind of excited about what to do with that. That's pretty neat. All right. Well, um, I guess you want to go ahead and jump into this episode? Sure. Okay. Our Dragon's Horde item does not have to do with a lock. Oh, it doesn't? Or keys or anything. Oh, okay. Sorry. Should I make up? Okay. <laughs> so, Jeff, I want you to imagine you have this map. Mm-hmm. It's an old map. Mm-hmm. And you can see you start here. There's a long line. And then at the end, there's like a symbol. Sure. But you don't know what that symbol is. No. 
uh, you can you could follow this map, but for all you know, it's just going to lead to like a, a, a dumpster or something. Oh. So you don't want to follow if it's just going to lead to a dumpster. So you go and you look around on this this map. You look around, you look around, and then you see over in the corner, you see a key mm-hmm. with symbols telling you what the symbols mean. And do you know <sighs> what that symbol means, Jeff? What does that symbol mean, Gabe? It means the dragon's horse. I get it. Key, like on a map. Yes. I get it. I get it. <laughs> All I right. I get it. Good. So uh, <laughs> today's magic item was submitted by King of All Ducks on Discord. Mm-hmm. So thank you, uh, uh, Your Highness, <laughs> King of All Ducks. Your Majesty. Your... And today's item. Or I'm sorry, quack, quack. Today's item is Vero Steel Smelter's Stupendous Stabbing Stag Helmet. Excuse you. Sorry. Me. Is, we'll have to put it in an exclu- explicit tag now. <laughs> yes. Yes, we will. Um, and this is an uncommon item. It requires attunement. Actually, sorry. does not require attunement. Uh, King of All Ducks said in the comments that the DM changed that so it does not. Oh. Um, so originally crafted as a trophy... The ends of the antlers atop this helmet have been fitted with sharp metal spikes. Hmm. The helmet adds plus one to your AC and can be used by Battle Rager Barbarians to make a spike attack. Additionally, if an enemy's melee weapon attack misses your AC by one, you can use your reaction to attempt to disarm them, catching the weapon in the antlers and wrenching it from their hands. Hmm. Okay. So, So yeah, it's a magic item that gives you plus one AC. And you can attack with it, and you can also, if someone misses you by one, you can knock off their weapon. Yeah, I like that. Like the one AC that that it's giving you, it's like if you're if they miss within that one, there you go. It's you know, it's the one from the helmet that's getting them to get you know to get caught up on your horns or whatever. Sure, so that's really sure. cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, this, and I brought this up when you when you mentioned it earlier that uh, this reminds me of Neverwinter Nights. Mm-hmm. And I say this because I'm playing, I've been playing Neverwinter Nights, the enhanced edition or whatever on Steam sure. recently. But I do remember this helmet. It's just a stag helmet. It was just, it's just a helmet. I think it, I don't even think the helmets in that game give you AC bonus. At least not I the, don't think so. The non-magical ones. I think they just like, give you like a plus one to concentration or a minus one or something. I, I think you're right, yeah. Uh, it's, concentration it, being the skill that you use to maintain a spell if you got attacked while casting. Right, yeah. And I, I just like, I just remembered the stag helmet when it when it came up the first time I played it the last time, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the stag helmet." <laughs> and then I just kept reappearing in all the treasure I'd find. I'd just be like, <laughs> "It was like it was like every like tenth chest I opened, I was like, I was like, oh okay, another stag helmet. No, no, thank you." <laughs> yeah, um, I I think it's it's a pretty simple, uh, pretty simple item, simple yeah. item, but it's something that like you know it stands out. You got horns, and you can disarm people. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know what edition this is intended for. What's the uh, the Battle Rager Barbarian? So yeah, I, I don't know if it's an official one. I don't I don't think it is. I think it's probably yeah. from a, a third party, from a DM's Guild supplement or something. Yeah, because I can't, I can't remember all the all the subtypes for Barbarian in the fifth edition. Yeah, I would even say that for this item, it doesn't even necessarily have to be like a mechanical thing. It could just be if you are part of this group of barbarians or whatever. Sure, you, you know you, you the DM could probably just allow you to have proficiency in this sort of thing. Sure, yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um yeah, I mean like you said, it's a pretty simple item. Mm-hmm. I like I like how if if they miss your AC by one, you can 
disarm them. Kind of reminds me of there was a monk prestige class in this 3.5 supplement that I used to have um, mm. that Jay played for a long time that your skin was so tough that if someone missed your AC by one, their weapon took damage as if you had attacked their weapon with your unarmed strike. Sure. like So your skin did sundering damage? Pretty much, yeah. Th that's pretty good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so this makes me think of that. I, th I think it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, like I said, pretty simple. I think that that'll do it for, uh, for the Dragon's Horde today. Once again, that was the, that was Vero Steel Smelter's Stupendous Stabbing Stag Helmet mm. submitted by King of All Ducks on Discord. Yeah, we're going to have to again, Thank you. Uh, thank you, King of All Ducks. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Your Majesty. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So if anybody wanted to submit magic items for, uh, the Dragon's Horde, or if they wanted to submit stories for the Funeral Pyre, or questions for us to discuss, mm -hmm. how would they get those to us? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. They can also join us on our interparty discord mm -hmm. at bit.ly slash interpartydiscord. Yes. And um, one thing that I wanted to mention about our discord, mm -hmm. I think it's it's really cool that we've got a lot of people on there having D&D related discussions. Try and think of the discord as if it's a way that you can meet other people that love D&D just as much as you do. Mm. Or... D&D or Pathfinder or whatever, yeah. whatever games you feel like discussing, come on the Discord, talk with other people. Jeff and I are on there, mm -hmm. you know, talk with all of us and we can have a good time. Yeah, we're just trying to treat it as like just a community of people who enjoy tabletop games. You yeah, know? yeah, it's awesome. So come on. Like Jeff said, it is uh, bit.ly slash interparty discord. Mm -hmm. uh, I also want to tell everybody to go check out our Patreon. And I also want to say thank you to all of our wonderful patrons. Mm -hmm. Patreon is an online platform where you can pledge to donate a certain amount of money uh, per month to your creator of your choice. You can pledge a dollar a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, and get various rewards from us. We've got... Um, a bunch of fantasy fiction I've already written. I won't be writing any more anytime soon. But we've also got uh, outtakes. We've got a monthly bonus podcast. We've got a monthly Roll20 game. So we've got lots of cool stuff on there. Check out our, our Patreon, patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. See if anything appeals to you. You can help out the show and get some cool stuff in return. Mm -hmm. And also, just one last thing, check out the other podcasts on the Crit Nation Fellowship. Check out Crit Academy at critacademy.com. Their product, uh, Challenge Accepted, is out, and it's uh, it's looking pretty good. Nice. Um, they've got lots of cool stuff. Justin, Ian, and Brandon create new and reusable content on their podcast every week for players and DMs alike. Also check out D&D Character Lab. Garen and Dan make characters every week and then pit them against each other to debate whose is better. Mm -hmm. And Brute Force and Ignorance is an actual play podcast. And we just had uh, Dan and Jake on a few weeks ago. Yeah. So they are great guys. Check their podcast out. They started a new arc a few weeks ago. Mm. A lot of fun. Go check all of them out. You want to go ahead and get into some questions, Jeff? Sure. Our first question comes from Peter K on email, uh, and they ask, what is your greatest greatest strength and weakness as a player, and what about your greatest strength and weakness as a DM? Yeah, so this episode is probably going to be pretty largely about us. <laughs> um, as you all know, we're awesome. Yeah, we're pretty great. You should want uh, to know everything about us. <laughs> you should want to be us. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, we're just normal people, I yeah. guess. Let's uh, Let's actually start out. Um, let's start out by talking about maybe how long we've how long we've been playing the game, sure. what sort of how we got into the game, and that sort of stuff. I know we've covered this in the past. Sure, but yeah, it's 132 episodes in. I think right. we could uh, <laughs> we could do with a refresher. Just who a little, are you, Jeff? Uh, oh, oh, who am I? Shoot. Uh, uh, well, um, well, I first got into D and D. Mm -hmm. Very, very first was second edition. Our our friend Steve. Introduced me to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. That guy's a weirdo. Yeah, he's crazy. Wave to the audience, Steve. <laughs> he's waving. <There> <laughs> it's 
so, so that it was that was a long time ago. That was a uh, middle school, I think. I, I think it was like oh yeah, I think it was it was like sometime in middle school or something. Steve like shaking that. his head no. He says <laughs> that's not what he's doing. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, like it started in middle school, um, and then like, I don't know, like it, it was a, like then like high school started, and I didn't do we didn't play for a while until mm-hmm. until I was introduced to you and Jay, and we started playing third third edition. Was it three point five when we started? No, I think it was still. Third. It, it was still third. Yeah, I think it was like it was get, it was getting close to three point five because three point five started. Well, actually, well when when I met you, I think we were playing three point five. Okay, okay, so maybe I did know of third edition. Yeah, and that's yeah. I think been playing from middle school, you know. But I mean, like, I feel like we I've been seriously playing because, like, I, f- I feel like our like second edition days were very sort of like I don't know. They were they were just sort of like we were just trying things out. We were just kind of goofing around and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But like seriously playing D and D was yeah probably in, I think it was was it like two thousand three two thousand four or something. I like think that. so. So it's been a while. Yeah. Um, I started my very first D and D experience was actually playing a computer game, Curse of the Azure Bonds, which mm, was one of right. the SSI Gold Box games. It was a sequel to Pool of Radiance. If anybody's ever heard of Pool of Radiance, um, I played that game. This was like an old, old computer game. You would put in a little floppy disk when they were actually floppy, right? And then there was like a little pl- little paper wheel you'd have to turn in order to put in the correct code to yes. start the game. That was yes. how they did DRM back then, right? Yep. And I didn't understand any of the mechanics, but I found out you could, like, edit your character stats. So I would just make all my character stats as high as they could go. Mm-hmm. And then I made characters based on uh, Link and Zelda, like the characters from the Zelda series. Right, like you do. Yeah. So, like, Link was a fighter. Zelda mm-hmm. was a magic user. I think Ganon was a fighter. Um, I think I had Marin and Terran from Link's Awakening because that was the only Zelda game I had at the time. Sure. Um, anyway, so I, I had, you know, characters from from that. I, I played this game, played the heck out of this game. And then my first actual tabletop role-playing experience was my brother, Tim. He and his friends had made up a game, which I know now to be called Eclectic. It was just kind of a weird RPG they had made up. Mm. I played one session with them a couple years later, which was 2000, uh, 2002, I think. Mm. Um, I played third edition D&D while on a trip, on a, a school trip in Chicago. I played one session of that, and then when we came back to came back home, one of my friends was like, oh yeah, you know, this other guy at our school plays D&D. He put me in contact with him. His name was Dave. I I played with him for a little while. He taught me how to play third edition D&D. And then I started a group with Jay and then our friend Steve, wave the audience, Steve. <laughs> and then Steve brought you into our group once we were playing 3.5 yeah. the following summer. Yeah. So. so, and like, I never really touched DMing at all mm-hmm. until very, very recently. Yeah. You know. Um, I was a DM pretty early on because once I taught Jay how to play the game and, and so on, like I was the only person who knew the game well enough sure. to, to run a game. So yeah. I DM'd for a while, um, I, but I was real bad at it. I was a real bad DM mm. with a, a little trademark next to the <laughs> bad DM part. And then I played with uh, our good friend Chris, who was on, we had a, on as a guest a long time ago. Dang. And playing with him and his group completely changed how I looked at the game. I became a much, much better DM, a much, much better player as mm. a result. Um and then, so I played, we played the heck out of 3.5. I played fourth edition when it came out. I really liked it for a while. Then I switched over to Pathfinder because for the same reasons, a lot of people stopped playing fourth edition. It wasn't quite what I was looking for. Sure. And then played Pathfinder for a while. Once fifth edition came out, I moved up to fifth edition and yeah. the rest is history. I've also played a handful of other 
non-D20 role-playing games as well. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah. What would you say is your greatest strength and weakness as a player? Hmm. <sighs> Let's go with strength first. Let's well, get the good stuff out. I don't know that. I mean, like, I just... I, I know... I know the rules and that's also, I feel like my weak, my, like my weakness is like, <laughs> okay. I've, I've become the, like the rules lawyer, backseat DM. Like if you want, we can do strength, greatest strength, uh-huh. greatest weakness, and then greatest both. So greatest both. Yes. <laughs> so really it's just answer to all three. Um, I don't know. like, I, I, yeah, I don't know exactly what my greatest strength would be. You can abstain if you want to abstain. I don't know. Okay. I don't, yeah, do you want me really... to go first? Sure. Yeah, why don't you go first? Okay. <laughs> okay. I would say my greatest strength is probably that I am uh, as flexible as possible. I'm always interested. Be, having so much experience being a DM, mm-hmm. I'm always looking for ways to make the DM's job easier. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. If there's a class nobody wants to play, I'll play that class. No problem. Yeah. Even if it's a lame class, I'll play it. If the party needs a healer, I'll be a healer. Yeah. Because everybody seems to love that. Maybe that's even a strength. I don't like being the damage dealer. <laughs> Yeah, you're not you're not you're not queuing up as DPS. Exactly, exactly. I'm always yeah. down for for playing whatever role the party needs. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to do stuff to help the DM. I'm always up for like t- for for the longest time. I was the person who always took initiative. Sure. Um, you know, when when battle started, I would be the one that would write down everybody's numbers and stuff mm-hmm. because it makes the DM's job yeah. easier. Hey, that's a good point. I, I would I, I feel like I would fall in the same category as like flexible, where like mm-hmm. you know I because I've played the game for a long enough time, you know like. Uh, the things I wouldn't have normally done in the beginning of my player career, like I'm, yeah. I'm more like I'm interested in doing because I had never done them yet. So if there is a role to be filled, I'm like, yeah, I can figure out a way to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like I do try to, if there's like newer players, try to help them out. So like the DM's not has, doesn't have to sit with each individual player, you know, yeah. to to figure things out. Like I can be helping this person while they're helping another person. So like. In a good way, I'm a like a backseat DM sort of thing. Like I'm sure. an assist. Yeah, I can be an assistant <laughs> to the DM. Yeah, you know, but I do run the risk of becoming the backseat DM, where I'm like, no, that's not the rule. Like, like I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, sh- shut up, Jeff. Let the game happen. Just <laughs> yeah, I, I would say as a a, a plus and a minus, mm-hmm. um, I am a bit of a, law- a rules lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, but I also know not to. Not to bring that out when I'm not the DM. You know, when when I'm a player, I if the DM does stuff that I don't agree with, I I, I think I've even said on the past, like I will I will bring it up once. Right. I will I will try to bring it up in as little as in as least of a confrontational way as possible. Right. I will say, hey, just so you know, I'm not sure if this was on purpose or not, but hey, the rule is this. Yeah. If they still choose to go on the way they're going, no problem. I won't bring it up at the table. I might talk to them about it afterwards, but mm. at the table they made their call and that's yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, you just try to bring up as like a neutral observation. It's like, oh, yeah. this is a thing. Because hey, I know as a DM, I make mistakes all the time. Right. We'll get to <laughs> get to <laughs> my weaknesses as a DM. Sure. Um. So if if I I try to assume it's not, I try to assume it's just just a small mistake. Mm-hmm. If it's not a mistake, hey, no problem. That's yeah. uh, that's how they want to run their game. Um. So yeah, I like I feel like my weaknesses as a player has drawn me towards doing DMing because it's like, mm-hmm. well, I need to. I don't know. Like it, it was, it was sort of, I was, I felt like I was either at least sucking the fun out of, for myself. Yeah. You know, I was, I was, I was making it less fun for me and most likely for the other people at the table. Sure. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not as much as I assume, but still it's like, well, if I'm not having fun, I need to change things up anyway. Yeah. So I might as well, you know, maybe make it fun for everybody else too. So that's when I, 
was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to DM. Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to DM. And I feel like if we, if you don't mind going into the DMing no, go for it. thing, um, I feel like my strengths are, are like, I, I mean, one, I'm having a good time. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like, like if I feel like if the DM's having a good time, it can, it can kind of, you know, rub off on the rest of the group, hopefully. Sure. sure. Um, but like I've I've been pretty like accepting of of like ev- like people's what people want to do. It's like when I'm a player, I'm like, no, you can't do that because of the rules. <laughs> when I'm the DM, I'm like, sure, let's try, it. let's go out, let's do yeah, it, let's yeah. see what happens. Because I don't know, I don't, I don't, I like, I don't know what exactly it is that makes that change when you go from a player to a DM or something like that. Where you, I think it's mostly just like I don't want to do the work of looking up the rules. <laughs> Same here, yeah. <laughs> so you're just like it, sure. Let's 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 do the thing that you want to do. We'll figure it out as we go along. Yeah. Um but I did I did come across something like in in that that I'm like sort of uh open to you know trying to work with people what they want to do. At the same time when it does come to like a very specific thing that they want to do that like is tied to to what's in the adventure. So like I've been running a pre-made adventure mm-hmm. and like they like the, the one of the players was like, I want to do this, you know, use this very powerful spell to do this specific against this specific thing. And there was nothing in the adventure that said anything of the sort. Mm-hmm. Like it was a spell given to them by the adventure to, and they used it against like basically this, you know, this like very important object in the, in the adventure. And yeah. there was no written interaction between the two. It's like, well, oh, that's weird. That does seem like, a thing that they would they would want to try, and even the wording of the spell, like just the like just the in the in the rules book and just in the regular rules book, the wording of the spell almost seems so specific to that situation. But it just didn't have rules. It on It just what to didn't do. have rules on it, and so it was like it was like I was like ah, I guess nothing happens. Yeah. But thinking back on it, I'm like something should have definitely happened. <laughs> like reading those rules, player Jeff would have been mad. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I should have made it happen. And I even came up with a cool idea for what would have happened, mm-hmm. but it's well after the fact at this point, like, sure. cause they, they tried it several times and I was like, nope, nothing happens. And so I'm like, now I can't go back and be like, well now at this time it would work. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I, I didn't think outside the box as much as I sh- should have. Okay. Um, but I am still like, you know, uh, like in the, like the, the less like plot specific stuff I'm much more open about. So sure. Um, I found that I, I'm, I'm as a DM, one of my strengths is that I'm, I'm very willing to improvise a lot of stuff. I'll get into the bad side of that coin in a minute when I get to weaknesses, but, uh, I will very often not even, like if I'm if I'm just doing like a quick game at the library, mm. I will very often not even make up stat. I won't even look up monsters or come <laughs> up with stats for monsters. Sure, I'll just have the players roll and then yeah, that sounds like that'll hit. And then I'll write down on a piece of paper their AC is that number. And then you sure. know uh, yeah, he's he's got a handful of hit points. I'll just see what see how much damage yeah. they do on the first attack and then and then decide if that's enough. <laughs> you know, it it makes for a very quick game and a very easy game. However. Uh, sometimes I feel like I am I am kind of cheating the players out of an actual D and D experience because right. I'm just it's it's all arbitrary. I'm yeah. just making everything up as I go. And I mean I f- I feel like with the library thing it's not so bad because they're more mostly newer players. Yeah, they're they, not going to know the difference. And also if I stuck to stats and stuff as they would be in in the book, 
it would probably take way longer and we wouldn't have time mm. to, to do everything. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And plus like newer players don't have that meta mindset. They're not, sure. they're not always like keeping track of every little thing. It's like, it's like, wait a minute, this is obviously a skeleton and skeletons in the monster man only have 18 hit points and I've hit this thing for 23. What's going on? Yeah. You know, um, there was a, there was a point in the adventure where I was like, well, I'm not sure if these monsters are going to be enough Mm-hmm. Like doesn't seem like a lot of hit points for what the players can do because we're at like a higher level than the adventure is yeah. built for. So I was like, yeah, I'll just I'll just bump up. I'll just give it a few extra hit points if I feel like they're taking it down too quickly. Yeah. But one of the players had this ability from this. It's like an, it's a it was an unearthed arcana. Oh, uh, that ability that kills all enemies in a hundred mile radius. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. No. I know, was, I know that ability. It was just an unearthed arcana thing that I was like, which like. I didn't play the first few adventures, so I didn't go, no, don't play that class. Uh-huh. And plus, I'm the kind of person who likes, you know, it's like, use any class and race you want. It's yeah. it's it's more fun that way if you can just, just be whatever you want. Sure. So, but there was an ability that was specifically, oh, I can use this and I know exactly how many hit points they have. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, all right, well, it's got this many. So I couldn't, I couldn't be like, well, it. No, it's still up, guys. You, yeah, you got to hit it more. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't just add a few more hit points just to keep the the sure, battle sure. going. You know, so I was just sort of like, well, dang it. Yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. It's hard to be like flexible like that when the when the players ha- like know the rule books sure. you know, or like know the numbers exactly. Um, kind of going with what I said was my great strength a moment ago. Um, let me let me put it in a different way. You know in The Matrix, mm-hmm. when there's a point where Neo has, like, he's finally got it, and, like, he looks around, he just sees code everywhere. He doesn't sure. see people. He sees the lines of code going down. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's how I am when I look at the game. I feel like when I look at a monster, I don't necessarily see the monster. I yeah. see it as, well, it's got this many hit points, its attack does this, its AC is this, and so on. Mm. For better and for worse... I see things as their game mechanics rather than as their thematics. Yeah. Um, That can be really good because then it's real easy for me to reskin stuff. I have no problem whatsoever taking a monster and then making it into an quote unquote entirely new monster by just changing what I view to be a very superficial part of what the monster is. Whereas a lot of people, that's not where their mind would go to first. Some people might even have issue with taking an iconic monster and making it into a different monster. Right. For me, it's super easy and it's the first thing that I do because I don't see it as this legendary thing. I see it as, oh, it's it's a bunch of stats on the page. For better and for worse. That does make the game a bit less magical yeah. in, in some ways or another. But, mm. but also, I'm doing that because I'm the DM. When I'm a player, I don't know what those stats are. So I don't, I'm not seeing it the same way as I do when I'm a DM. There's a little bit of bleed on either side, but uh, um, it makes the game easier for me to run. However, I'm always afraid that I'm not portraying it as magical as the players deserve. Sure. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, so moving on to, let me go to weaknesses as a DM. Is that sound yeah. good? Okay. Because I, I feel like I have tons of weaknesses as a DM. <laughs> One of which I feel like I don't make things magical enough. Like, I mean, I don't mean like magic as in... Right, yeah. I... Because I am when I'm seeing things as a DM, to me, it's a bunch of numbers on the page. Right. I'm always afraid that the players are seeing it the way that I'm seeing it. Sure. That like you're 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 seeing it as code, but you're afraid that you're basically painting it in a way that they're just seeing it as code too. Sure. It's just like, oh, this is just like okay, let me let me try it. Let me give you an example. Um, I'll say you wake up in a room and there's fog in every direction. Mm. You can't see anything. 
you as the player might be sitting there like, oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? But me as the DM, I know the wall is like five feet beyond the fog and then there's a door and that door is open and it opens up into, you know, this one specific room. To me, that doesn't sound exciting because I already know all the stuff. Sure. Whereas to you, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa there's smoke in every direction. Right. And then, whoa, I'm going to. I'm going to slowly creep over here. And in my mind, I'm like, don't slowly creep. Just walk over. There's just a freaking wall. <laughs> I don't say that, of course. Right. But in my mind, I, it's, I'm afraid that it's coming off as like, no, it's not exciting at all. It's nothing special. Yeah. So th- that is something I'm afraid of. I, I do also try way too hard to keep things secret sometimes to the point where it's like way beyond where it needs to be. Yeah. Both as a DM and as a writer. Hmm. One of the thing, one like, if I were to, to be asked, like, what is one example you can think of as a DM where you really dropped the ball? I don't think anybody's asked that, but I've seen that question asked on on Reddit and such. And there was a time that I was playing, I was I was running a fifth edition game. It was when we I had just come back from from Tennessee. I I don't think you were there for the session, but you were in the campaign for a bit. My brother was in the campaign. Chris and Zave were in the campaign. Mm-hmm. There was a point where my brother brought one of his friends who was also a DM. He was going to come play with us. So he played with us for one session and it was a combination of me not doing enough prep. That's another weakness as I have that I have as a DM. I don't do enough prep. And so I force myself to improvise too much. Sure. I didn't do enough prep. So I, I, the only thing I really had to hold on to was I want this, this mystery to be a mystery. Yeah. And so when the players encountered this NPC who in the story had been locked in this, extra dimensional chamber for like a century or something instead of having him be like, Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Please let me tell you whatever it will take to get you to help me out of here. I had him act really cagey and like mysterious. And the players were asking me like, what's this guy's deal? And they asked him like, what's your deal? And I would give them some like mysterious (laughs) answer. And it was because in my mind, I'm like, yeah, they're going to be intrigued. They're going to try to follow up on the storyline. In a few sessions, I can give some more <laughs> some more detail. Right. But the end result was that player did not like it and did not want to come back and play again, specifically because I was being so cagey, so unnecessarily cagey with this NPC. Huh. And I totally, he was totally right. He was, he was right on every account. Sure. I should not have done that. Yeah. I, it would have been so much more interesting, even if it wouldn't have been mysterious, it would have been so much more interesting if I was like, yes, I was locked in here a whole bunch of years ago because there was this evil God that was chasing me and it cursed me and then locked me in here. And then the the door, I left a key that you had to get, but you had to put these things together and then use them to get past <laughs> this magical whatever. That would have been so much better than, oh, it was so long ago, I... Uh, I can just, hardly remember. I can hardly, the, the details, they're swimming in my mind. Uh, <laughs> it's all just a fog. But like, like beyond, beyond that fog, is just <laughs> there's just a door that opens up. Right. Yeah. And um, I was feeling a bit of this happening back when we did our actual play thing in January. Mm-hmm. May it ever find the light of day. <laughs> May it rest in peace. There was a point where um, I do this whenever whenever the players take an NPC hostage, like whenever they, they take someone prisoner and try to get information from them. Yep. I, I don't mean to, but I always have them act as like indignant as possible. Like, yeah, kill me. Fine. I don't care if I die. I'm not going to tell you who hired me to do this right, thing. Yeah. Yeah. When it's like my life is worth two gold. Even, even when, cause in, when we did our actual play thing, there was a point where the players were attacked by this 
person, this individual on the street. Mm-hmm. I won't give it. I'm, I'll be a little <laughs> bit mysterious. And Wait, Gabe, you're being cagey again. The character, the character's intention was to survive, was to get away from you guys. Yeah. So when you guys took this character prisoner and we're trying to get information, I had this character refuse to give information. And I realized it halfway through the scene. I was like, I can't be doing this. I cannot let this character do because this character's whole thing is she doesn't want to die. Mm-hmm. She would tell you if it meant her living or her dying. Right. And so I I did make a conscious change halfway through the halfway through the session so that I mean, I, you guys luckily you guys didn't ask the questions that were really the crux of the mystery, so I didn't have to give away unnecessary sure. unnecessary information. I said I said that word real weird. Yeah. Um but I at least was beca- there was a point where like a switch flipped in my mind and I was like be cooperative, Gabe. <laughs> Let the pl- answer the players' questions. Right. Yeah. So hmm. that's 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 a problem that I have as a DM. It's a problem I have as a writer. I keep trying to have that mystery, and I keep having to tell myself if it doesn't work without it being a mystery, then it didn't work in the first place. Sure. So yeah, because yeah, like if if it's if you leave it to too much mystery, it's boring. You yeah. know, like the play. It's like well, if I'm, we're not going to get any for for information off of this guy, then what's I don't. I don't want to talk to him anymore. Yes. Like if you don't get any leads, if the players don't get anywhere, like any like clue as to, where, to what to do next. Yeah. It, like they just was like, well, we'll find something else to do instead. There was, I was a long time ago. I was watching um, a, a YouTube video that was the, the McElroy brothers doing a panel at a convention about doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it very much relates to this, but they, what they said was if someone listen, if someone gets to the end of an episode of your podcast, they might listen to the next episode. Mm. If someone doesn't get to the end of an episode, they're not going to listen to the next one. Sure. In the same way, if if the whole premise you're going for is that there's a mystery, if the players might not be interested if you don't give them enough of the mystery. Yeah. And if they don't get to the part of the mystery that intrigues them, they're not going to care. Right. So okay. if it takes giving them the mystery just flat out to get them interested, then it was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Even if it leads to less of a twist later on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the adventure I was running, there's like a, like an information gathering at the beginning. Basically yeah. it's like, okay, here's some, like here's some leads I want to do and stuff like that. And like, I do feel like I was withholding on a few points to the point where like, there's like a, there's like a whole like third of the adventure that the players aren't even going to touch on. And I'm like, I'm sort of upset about it. Cause like, there's some cool stuff there, mm-hmm. but I didn't give any, I like, I didn't give enough to the players for them to be like, Oh, we should check that out. You know, yeah. I was like, I was like, it's, it's very mysterious. And what, you know, what, you know, what's causing the problem that you, you know, you have to solve this mystery, but you know, like I wasn't because they didn't ask the specific question. Sure. I didn't give them any sort of like, you know, any, you know, any, any little clues or anything like that when I should have just been like, well, and he starts babbling about this thing or something like mm-hmm. I should just throw it out there just to see if they, you know, if they take it. Yeah. So, so like one of my weaknesses definitely is that I, um, I try too hard to keep things a mystery and I don't give the players information that they should have. Mm. I don't give them information that would, uh, help move along the, the adventure yeah. in favor of trying to keep it mysterious, which is definitely, a has been a problem. Yeah. I can see why that's really tricky though. Cause well, it, it's a, it's a fine yeah. needle to thread. It's a tough needle to thread. Sure. It's a fine line to walk. Sure. Yes. There you go. It's a nice tight rope. <laughs> that is a nice rope. <laughs> um, 
Cause, yeah, because if you're giving too much information, you almost like you're almost being like handholdy or railroady because yeah. it's like this is the mystery. Go solve it. You know, it's like sure, here's sure. here's all the information you need to solve to to complete this adventure. Go do it. Yeah. You know, so it's like you don't want to give too much in that way that you're like forcing them to do the thing. You know, like you want you want them to figure it out on their own because that's fun. Yeah. But if you're not giving them anything, yeah, uh, like you know. I don't know. Yeah, and um, another weakness as a DM is that I I do find myself having a real difficulty preparing as much as I should. Mm. And I have definitely, I can point to specific times where I know that a session went really well or really poorly directly related to how much I prepared. But it's still really hard for me to actually sit down and prepare. Yeah. Um, I And because I am so good at improvising stuff, that makes it harder for me to prepare because I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll yeah. just improvise some stuff. Like Even though out. I know that my improvised stuff will be worse than if I had right. prepared it. Yeah. It's like it's yeah, you know you can do it, but yeah. it's yeah, it's not gonna be as good. Right. We talked, we had an episode a while back about um how to make it feel like there's adventure in every direction. Right. And again, it's probably just because I'm the DM and I know where the adventure is. I often feel like there isn't adventure in every direction in my games. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the players are perceiving it. Right. Because again, I'm seeing it from a different point of view than they are. So I don't know, but I'm always afraid that this doesn't feel exciting. I'm always afraid that this doesn't feel like there's adventure to be found. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. So I, I guess really the underlying thing here is that I have a lot of self-doubt when it comes to my <laughs> DMing ability. Like I'm no. always second guessing everything that I do. I'm always afraid that I'm always putting too much thought into how are the players mm. enjoying this when they're probably enjoying it just fine. Right. You know, yeah. Steve's, Steve's giving me a he's nodding his head, <laughs> giving me a thumbs up. Yeah. And like I could say, like, I like I definitely enjoy playing when you're dming to the point where like whenever i'm with another dm i'm like that's not how like it's like this doesn't seem right something's something's not right here like (laughs) that's not right no you can't you can't do that (laughs) like because it's like oh you know i'm used to playing with gabe sure you know we're just it's like 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 it just I don't know it just you you make it seem like it just works. Oh, well, so, thank you. Like so I I swear I'm not trying to fish for compliments. <laughs> right, I, I I'm know, trying I to know. say because I imagine there are people out there that have similar doubts. Sure. So I'm trying to say, hey, I have those same doubts. Right. Um, another another thing that is a weakness of both as a player and as a DM. Um, I I procrastinate a lot, and then I am because I am unsure. I'm always unsure of myself. If there is, if it looks like there the the session has like a chance of being canceled, I will like subconsciously push it in that direction. Sure. I, as much as I love to play and I love to DM, like mm-hmm. if if I'm not feeling confident, I will sabotage the game to a to an extent. I I kind of I might look for ways to cancel or reschedule the game, which is a big problem. Well, yeah, and I mean it might just be because you're on the fence about going that that week yeah. or whatever and if, and if like if you're basically the tiebreaker, you might be like, well, I wasn't feeling too good today or whatever. Sure. So, like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't say that you're sabotaging, but. I feel like I am. Yeah. Like, because we um, we have our Rule 20 game for mm-hmm. our Patreon. And there have been, for, for quite a while, we don't really, we don't have a ton of, of top tier patrons. Mm. And oftentimes we might only get one top tier patron that is available or sure. that or that is interested or just that responds when I put the call out for the game. Mm. And so I'm I'm put in a place where it's like, well, I can either open it up to the lower tiers 
I can run it with just a couple people yeah. or I can reschedule it. And a lot of the time I would, you know, I, I, I end up saying, well, I, I guess I'll just reschedule it because we don't have enough people and I could use that time to do other stuff right. in my scheduling. Sure. And, it's, you, and I feel guilty about that every time. Yeah. But I mean, like also you're giving yourself more self more time to like prepare for it and stuff like that. Yeah, but I don't always use that time <laughs> <Sure>. to prepare. <laughs> ah, well. Yeah. So um, weaknesses as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go or should I continue on with my, <laughs> my weaknesses? Well, I mean, my 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 weakness is that it like, again, is just like sort of being all rules lawyery and mm-hmm backseat dming and or uh, like I'm, sometimes i can be a little impatient with with other players okay um don't really say anything or anything like that but i can like you know i'll, I'll sometimes get like frustrated or something like that where i'm like i was like that's not that's not fun sure um if i see yeah like if i see where the where the adventure is going mm-hmm. because i am i am i have all this meta knowledge and stuff like that like sure. i can be like okay this is obviously what we need to do but i don't want to just say it yeah. I don't want to ruin it for everybody else. So while the other players are trying to work out the puzzle that I've already solved, that I are like, I know, you know, I either know that the answer to the puzzle or I know that, well, it would just be so much easier if we just triggered the trap at this point. Sure. You know, it's like, just, just rush in. Cause right now we're just debating over how to tie the rope, you know, like it's yeah. so I, so it's like, I might, I might get impatient and frustrated. And so I'm like, well, that's you know that's it's not fun for me and and if and if it's like if it's coming off in my in the way that I'm like speaking and and, and playing and stuff like that I'm sure you know it, it makes it awkward for other people. So. Sure, sure. Um, as a player, I would say one of my biggest weaknesses is that I don't engage with the game as much as I should, and mm. I don't role play as much as I should. Yeah. Um, I a lot of the time when you know the DM's like, okay, you're in the room. There's this NPC. There's this NPC. You know, uh, there's this and this. Uh, what do you do? I'm usually the one that just kind of sits there and waits for somebody else to to do something. Sure. It's really only when I'm the most experienced player in the group that I do take initiative mm. for that sort of thing, which means that I could do it. I could do it all the time, but I don't. <laughs> See, I think I use that like if I'm the most experienced player in the group, I use that as an excuse to not do something because yeah. it's like I need to let them do it. They need to learn by doing. Sure. We, I, we, so I get to sit here and do nothing. We know? did talk a few weeks ago about um, something. I, I don't remember the exact question, but we did talk about something like when there are you don't want to be the one that's making everybody do what you want to right, do yeah. when you're the most experienced player. In the mm. group. When everybody else is new, you don't want to be the only person whose opinion yeah. matters, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I wish that I, I wish that I improvised more as a player. Mm-hmm. I wish that I talked to NPCs more. I wish that I were better at picking up cues of what the DM wants me to, wants the players to interact with. Sure. And so on. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I wish I role played more, whatever that, whatever that means. I wish I did it more. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel like I could, I could do with, with better role playing. And I usually play the characters that are sort of like a one note. Like it's like, oh, I play yeah. Warforged because it's like, well, I get I get to do Warforged jokes basically, sure. like or make Warforged puns. Beep boop, I'm a robot. Right, you know, like I get to I get to play a robot. It's a joke, everybody. It's not <laughs> it's not actually how I feel about Warforged. Well, yeah, Warforged are robots. You hear you heard it here first. Gabe thinks Warforged right, are. Delete this episode. Okay. I mean, if you want me to, <laughs> please, I can't. please don't. Okay. Um. <laughs> Uh, I, I just I feel like as a player I do most of my role playing in the like 
creating a character sense and mm-hmm. and yeah. the, like introspective sense rather than at the table improvising creating a story through my words that yeah. sort of thing yep yeah so. I, I feel like i'm very similar yeah. so um i think i think we've said quite a bit about <laughs> our our advantages and primarily disadvantages sure. as a uh, as a our strengths and weaknesses mainly weaknesses as a, <laughs> a player and as a dm um but we do have one more question that i think will will be quick and kind of goes along with Okay. Along with this a bit. All right. Our next question comes from the beverage tea on discord. And they ask if you were to make yourself as a D and D character, what race class, et cetera, would you be? Yeah. Um, I have, I've had an answer for this for a long time. Like I, I had a thought a long time ago and it made a lot of sense and, mm-hmm. I, and it, it, I'd still stick by it. Um, as far as like, I guess it's mainly what class would I be? Race, I guess I'd be human. I'm, I always play a human. Right. I was gonna say like there we... isn't anything spectacular about me, so I guess human. <laughs> I've got that. I've got that extra foot. You know. <laughs> I get it. But um, <laughs> but uh, as far as class, I would say I'm uh, I'm definitely a rogue. Okay. Because I'm the kind of person that is always looking for not intentionally but i'm always observing flaws in things sure i'm always looking at how things work i'm always looking at like okay one time a long time ago we were i don't remember who i think we might have been we were at john's house Mm. long time ago we were watching one of the star wars movies i think it was return of the jedi there was a scene where luke skywalker is talking to the force ghost of obi-wan kenobi and i said out loud mark hamill is just looking off screen talking to nobody right now (laughs) Because I know how video works. I know that uh, Alec Guinness was not actually sitting there right next to him. He was uh, superimposed into the into the shot. Sure. I'm always looking at things. And in my mind, I'm working out how was this made? How does this work? Sure. What are the good parts of this? And mainly, what are the bad parts of yeah. this? I would be... I am the worst audience member. <laughs> because when I listen to podcasts, <laughs> I am always picking up on people's verbal tics. I'm sure. always picking up on the weird pronunciation somebody has of something when mm-hmm. they miss, when they say something wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm always picking up on that. Of course, I do it to myself too, but not while I'm doing it. Yeah, when, I I always, use... when I'm listening to it later on, I always like, oh man, I sound like an idiot when I said that <laughs> word. Why did I say that word like that? <laughs> I'm always looking for flaws mm-hmm. in things unintentionally, but it just, it happens. And so I feel like if I were a D&D character, I would be a rogue because I would know if I stabbed the guy right there, he would go down <laughs> sure. in half as many hits. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, sort of like feeling like that, like detect traps thing too. Sure, sure. You know, like a uh, disabled device, that sort of thing. Lock picks. Also. Which lo- which lock picks, you could just drill it, apparently. <laughs> just drill it. Exactly. You just, you just drill it or you bust it open in that one spot. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and also because rogues get a lot of skills. Sure. I, I've always said that uh, although I am good at a lot of things, I'm not good at things because I'm naturally skilled. Mm. I do it because I have put a lot of time into thinking about it. Sure, sure. So like in third edition terms, it's that I have a high intelligence score and therefore a lot of skill ranks. Mm. Not that my like my charisma isn't high. I've just put a lot of time into thinking about how to speak in front of people. Mm. So I'm not good at speaking. I'm not confident when I speak in front of people, but... I know how to, once I get going, I know how to do it because I've thought about it a lot. I gotcha. So that's, that's what I would be. I'd be a human rogue for myself. And like, because this is more like, this isn't what you would want to be, but what you would be. Right. I kind of think of it like if 
we said, hey, we're all going to play ourselves in this D&D campaign. Right. Steve's going to make my character. I'm going to make your character. You're going to make Steve's character. Uh-huh. What am I hoping Steve is going to put on my character sheet? Okay. What are you hoping? Because Steve, well, I mean, I mean Steve, that I think will be accurate. Because Steve reacted earlier when you said rogue. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's not what he would do. I don't think anybody would expect me to be a rogue. I don't know. Yeah. But to me, it may, for, because I know who I am, it makes perfect sense to me. Sure. I don't know for myself, to be honest. It's yeah. like what I'd want to be. I feel like I'd want to be a sorcerer okay. because it's you have this innate spell casting ability. Sure. It's just in your blood versus like a wizard, which would be cool. Mm-hmm. But you have to do all the studying and stuff. Nah. Yeah. Right. Now, I'd rather be a sorcerer and just go, bam, I can shoot fireballs because because my <laughs> great granddaddy was a dragon. Sure. You know, that sort of thing. But. If I was a wizard, I'd be the person that has one level of wizard and then the rest of barbarian <laughs> or something. It's like I, I put in the work to learn a bit of it. Right. A and few can trips and like and you're like, you know what, screw this. Exactly. Um I mm, mm, I feel like I would fall into well, because I'm not actually physically strong. But I like I do get angry sometimes. I'm like, you know what? Like a barbarian rage. If I could, if I could, like if I could get a strength boost when I'm mad, you know, it's yeah. like you know, I could I could find ways to use that. I saw you lift a city bus once. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would be. I would, what is this? What is this? Just Mr. Fury. Uh, Mr. Fury. Mr. Yeah. Fury. Yeah. It's be Mr. Fury who just gets mad and then nothing happens. You yeah. know. <laughs> That's that's who I am now. It's a character from Mystery Men for anybody who's curious. <laughs> right, it's a yeah. great movie you should watch it. It's uh, Ben Stiller, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I don't, I, yeah, like re- really, again, I can like you know, I've only ever been a human, so I don't know what. It, what it, yeah, I. But, it's it's hard to say like, yeah. oh, I'd be a half orc, right? Or whatever. Half- I am very brutish and <laughs> angry, and yeah. my teeth are very large. Yeah. That's well, okay. Yeah, okay. Half orc barbarian. Okay. I think half work barbarian because like I kind of like Because you're very brutish and your teeth are very large? No, it's it's more it's like sort of like a self-image thing, maybe. You know, okay. it's like it's just like like I kind of like see myself like it's like, well, no, I'm just I'm just this like I'm just like I like I see myself as sort of like a weird outcast in a way. Like yeah. I like I know like I have friends and I know I'm not like hideous or anything. If I was remotely dexterous, I would say elf because I do have a terrible constitution. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> so. Also, I rarely sleep. Mm. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you use it. You use a tree of a trance instead. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So I'll say I'll say, Elven Rogue to be a little bit less boring. And like a half elf, half elf. Half, well, I mean, but the half elves don't get the minus. Everybody likes half elves. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, those are too popular. They're too yep. mainstream. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. Yeah, I guess half orc barbarian. Final, okay. I guess okay. final answer. <laughs> So half orc barbarian and uh, elf rogue. Elf rogue. Okay. okay. All right. Cool. I, I'm I'm very happy with uh, <laughs> sure with the results of that question. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for our regular questions for this week. But we do still have our social media discussion questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week's question was: What are some alternatives you've used in place of miniatures? Yeah. Now, uh, spoiler: Most of the answers are dice. Sure. Just saying. Like yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of people said dice. I mean, it's a good answer. It's yeah. Like you got they're on they're on hand. Sometimes you can even use them to count your health or something. You know, keep true, track of true. something. Yeah. Um, so over on Facebook, Steve A said dice are great stand-ins. Different colors or numbers make tracking damage on different creatures easy. All right. Sometimes I'll set different dice next to the minis for the same ease of bookkeeping. Side tip: use dice to track the feet of elevation for flying creatures. Okay. One yeah. is ten feet, two twenty feet, and so on. 
That's not bad. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's actually, it's a bit, it's not a replacement for miniatures, but an, uh, a, an aid, a supplement sure. to miniatures. Yeah. Um, David E says, this is what I started with little glass beads with tape and numbers and also use dice. So, uh, David put a yeah. little picture of little glass beads. I mean, it's kind of what he just said. The, they're like the, like the fishbowl beads, fishbowl beads, but with, with numbers taped to the bottom so that you can, yeah. Like, so you like, can look at them and yeah, see they're clear so you can look through them. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty neat, good. Neat trick. Uh, Michael P says, uh, I've used multicolored rocks or life counters from Magic the Gathering pre-releases. Our last game, we actually used some of my Armada Squadron minis. <laughs> the bases fit surprising we- surprisingly well on the hex grid maps, the multiple ship ones for monsters, and the single ship ones for players. And they included a picture as well, so it's a bunch of, like, Star Wars Star Wars miniatures of sure. ships. Yeah. Yeah, using, like, yeah, Warhammer minis or, you know, minis from other games work, work just as well. Yeah. Um, Eric M from Brute Force and Ignorance actually said plastic wild animals and chips. Cheetos work great. You can always find just the right shape. <laughs> and if it's too big, you just you get a snack. Right. You just take a little, you just take a little, a little bite. Off. Yeah. It's like, oh, 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 sorry. That would be a huge creature. Large. There exactly, it is. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Nathan H says drawing the battle map on a whiteboard on the wall. Pretty good. Sure. Easy to use and different color markers to differentiate PCs and monsters. You can write conditions and HP right next to the creature. Yeah. Um, I would just say if you put it, if it's not on the wall, if it's on the table, then you can put things physically on it so they're easy to move. Because if you're drawing it on the wall, you have to race it when somebody moves and so on. Mm. So uh, uh, great start, though. You know, I think a whiteboard is a great a yeah. great alternative to like a vinyl battle map. Right. Yeah. Um, Trent C says Lego minis, dollar store Dollar Store Dinosaurs and Animals, Little Green Army Men, Poker Chips. Sure. Brandon B. says, Coins. I know there's a place on the internet you can find paper cutouts you fold. These did me a solid. Mm. Uh, Jeremiah J. says, D4s and D6s. Sure. DM's Council says, Numbered Wooden Bingo Markers. So I'm <laughs> guessing the little, like, balls that have the numbers on them. Okay. You, you roll in the big... The big circular cage i guess either that or just like the ones that you like put on the boards but usually like in, in like actual bingo you have it's like a, a stamp, stamp. Like a, yeah. yeah so huh. i don't know um hal a says dice are a standard fill-in mm-hmm. and um justin from crit academy put a little video here actually that is it's a video that shows you how you can take magic cards from okay. magic of like monsters and such and then you can use like a circular cutout to cut out pictures of the monsters sure. and then use those as tokens in your game you know because um skylar has a, a button maker yep and i think they're inch and a half so they'd be a little bit too big for like a standard grid i think mm-hmm. but like if you had like a like a smaller like one where it's it basically you just take a little cutout and you just stamp it onto a onto a little you know metal disc or whatever yeah and then just make a little thing. She, you know, you, you don't. Maybe you just wouldn't put the back on it with the pen. You would just sure, kinda, sure. So yeah, get get a one inch button maker, and then you could just take anything and make a little tokens. When I was a kid, my brother had a pog maker. Oh sure, yep. That would be awesome with magic cards. Yeah. Just oh saying. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, over on Reddit, we just got a couple. Javakler says pennies for monsters with numbers written on them to keep track of which ones were which in the battle. Mm-hmm. And then Gizmo Trunks says, M&M's or Skittles? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be the M&M's because they have mm Yes. On them. Yes. Oh, mine I'll say. Oh, dear. Over on Twitter, that's Carl with a K says, 
Theater of the Mind. Oh. All right. All right. I, I, oh. Valid answer. Yeah. I just I You get, know what we were asking. Right. And I just get too, I get too distracted to, to imagine things anymore. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, Gil says, I personally went into paint and made some circular tokens with different images to represent classes, monsters, etc. Mm-hmm. Then I printed them out, cut and glued them on some cardboard, which I also cut. Works surprisingly well if you have the patience. Sure. So, yeah. Kind of like what you were saying. Just, yeah. Just... Make them in paint, print them out, and then yeah, make glue them in some cardboard. Yeah, it makes little you know, customized tokens and stuff. Yeah. Um, T says, my imagination. <laughs> All right, again, okay, okay. Play a video game. <laughs> and then uh, Josh says, bottle tops, wine corks, coins, M&Ms, nuts, my cat. <laughs> Maybe for a, a colossal dragon or something. Right, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Over on Discord, Jason says, accept no alternative, and then posted a picture of the colossal red dragon that uh, he has. Is that, is that the one from way back? That's the one from way back. It oh, is gig- it's a gigantic square with a yeah. gigantic dragon on top. Oh, has man. a removable blast of fire. Oh, that's right. Um, but then, uh, then Jason also says, I ran an adventure with like over 100 bad guys, and we had to use pennies, nickels, and dimes, yep. and quarters to represent all the different Yanti types. Yeah. And I remember that encounter, but I could never remember what the monsters were. Is Yanti? It is Yanti. Oh. Yes. I just, anytime when it's like that number, I'm just like, it's probably like goblins or something. I thought it was like, uh, Githzerai or something. Oh. I don't know, but it's Yanti apparently. Yeah. And Peace Story Pancake says, we're mostly theater of the mind, but I could see using some form of printout too. While I think the minis look super cool, I don't have that kind of money. Plus, we're not super strategic and would probably not use them all that much and then it'd just be a waste. For now, we're fine with paper and pencils. Drawing little X's for baddies and PC initials usually works just fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, hey, you do what you got to do. Right. Yep. Yeah. So that was uh, last week's social media question. Thank you, everybody, for answering. This week's question is... How often do you like to level up? Mm. So if you are playing in a game, whether you're doing XP or whether you're doing um, uh, Milestone. Sure. How often would you say that is like the perfect speed at which to level up? Hmm. I feel like early levels, maybe like every other session. Yeah. You know, just just to get through the early levels. One, because I never make it to the later levels anyway, because of just the way that you know, scheduling and everything else happens. Sure. So I feel like, yeah, early levels, maybe ever like every other session, maybe even every session, depending on how things run. Sure. Um, but you know, like, you know, I feel like every other session that way you get a, you get a full session to like really get into that level or something sure, like that. So sure. you're not, you know, you know, you know, necessarily want to do every session. So that it's like, well, I didn't even get a chance to try out this new ability before I got the next one. That's better anyway. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then maybe later levels not not as much, not nearly as much, just okay. because like you do end up with a lot of extra stuff to do. So it's like you know, again, you don't want to level up so fast that you don't even use your fifth level ability. Sure, sure. You know, yeah, I I would say at least at least two sessions per level mm. because yeah, like I would like for one for you to the first session for you to like figure out what abilities you have. Yeah. Then the next session, you know your abilities and now you're using to them them to the best of their ability. Yeah. And then. Maybe you get more abilities after that and so on. So like every every two, um, maybe maybe when you get to higher levels, have space it out a bit more. Yeah. Um, and but, by that time, like it's um, stuff like magic, like powerful magic items might become more common to sure. where like your your character is changing, you know, mechanics wise 
by gaining magical we- you know weapons and such. Yeah. So like you are getting new abilities and stuff to do. Just it's not tied exactly to your character level. Sure. Like I know that there, especially back in the day, there was there was the the sentiment that like you leveling up should be really slow. I think in third edition it was they said in the DMG or something that like it should be like every five sessions or something like that at hmm. least. And I can understand that. I feel like in the right campaign, I would be cool with never leveling up. You know, if, if it was like at a good level where we had yeah. like a good grasp on our abilities and it was less about advancement and more about advancing the story. But that's sure. that's hard to do. Yeah. I think in most games, like there isn't the the there isn't really a measurable difference if you don't let the players level up very often. It's fun to level up. Yeah. And hey, as a DM, it lets you use more and bigger monsters. So Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, because like as a player, when I'm building a character, I build it at level 20. Pretty you much, know, yeah. so I'm like, well, I want to level up fast so I can get to the part where it's cool. You know, yeah. like it's like I built it because I wanted these specific abilities or whatever. It's like I'm going to multi-class this because I want this combination of abilities because it's really cool. Sure. But I don't get that until like level 12 at least. So I'm like, well, I want to get there quickly, please. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like in in MMOs. Generally mm-hmm. speaking, they are designed in such a way that you can level up pretty fast. And their goal is to get you to the end game yeah. as quickly as possible so that then then you've got all of like the highest level PVP and stuff to do. All yeah. like, there's generally way more max level dungeons than mm. there are mid-level dungeons, right, yeah. for example. And that always bothered me as a player because I'm like, you know, I'm always going to be making new characters. I want to have a fun time getting there, but I can understand the developers wanting to make end, le- end game stuff because then like everybody's eventually going to get to end game. Yeah. You're only going to be at level 20 or whatever for so long. So it's less worth their time to make a level 20 dungeon than to make a max level dungeon. Right. Because yeah. You're eventually going to get there and you're going to always going to be there. Yeah. So I can understand that. It's a different approach. Yeah. You know, th- there's, there's a way that it could be done differently, but that's, that's generally how it's done. So I, depending on the game, I think that there, there's a lot of different answers to this, but you know, just, I'm curious what our listeners, yeah. how often our listeners like to level up. Sure. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it for our questions for today. So before we close out, um, I guess let's reflect upon who we are as people Uh as we do. So let's take a deep breath. (sighs) Let's uh, remember the old, our old selves, which we have discarded (laughs) and gotten rid of and have tossed onto the funeral pyre. (laughs) So we have a very short funeral pyre story today. Okay. I think the, the longest part is going to be me trying to pronounce this name. <laughs> this is from Reddit user Shikabolapanazabalik. Sounds good. Sounds good? Sounds okay. good. Uh, and the story goes as follows. I licked the green slime in an attempt to identify what it was. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the story. <laughs> oh, goodness. Steve is, Steve's over there uh, having a great time. Wave to the audience, Steve. <laughs> uh, so so let's raise a glass in memory of Chicago Lapa Nazabalik mm-hmm. on Reddit, who reminds us, you are what you eat, except sometimes what you eat kills you. <laughs> Clink. Clink. 
All right, that'll do it for today. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, on Reddit at r slash interpartyconflict, on our interparty Discord, or on Twitter at inpartyconflict for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is our YouTube channel where we play video games. Yes. Speaking of video games, check out my side project, the Arcade Memories Podcast. If you'd like to submit your own childhood memories of going to the arcade, record them or write them to me at arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time... They never said what the green slime tastes like. 